Well, good morning. <laughs> Welcome to the uh, amusement park. Sun World Adventure Park is where we are. Uh, You've got to be prepared when you go to an adventure park. Sunglasses are an important part of it, uh, whether it's for the sun or someone's shirt. Uh, it would matter to have sunglasses to help with that. No, it does not come with batteries. I was asked that a few times. Uh, but it's good. Everybody get their cookie. Okay, if you didn't get a cookie, then I will blame the interns. But uh, everybody's supposed to get a cookie on your way in. It's my favorite cookie growing up as a kid of the frosted animal crackers. Oh, man. But if you didn't eat them all, it's fine. Um, I will sacrificially do that for you uh, as an act of love and service to you. I shall eat those. But uh, they're great. You should have gotten a cookie. Not many times you go to church, you get a cookie. But VBS kickoff, you get a cookie, and that's great. Um, great things about amusement park is, is always the food is good. It's cookies. It's cokes, It's cotton candy. It's pizza. Right? And I got, I got pizza, too. So there we go. From a distance, it looks like I have leprosy, but uh, actually it's pizza. And uh, my daughter gave me those, and so I shall wear them in honor of my daughter. Uh, but, uh, but we are at BBS kickoff, and I'm going to take those off right now um, because that's, you need a super suit if you're going to wear those. But uh, the thing about it is, is BBS kickoff is a, a fantastic week for us. We are so excited about what God's going to do. That's why I invited you guys to be up close today, K through fifth grade, especially in your families. We have targeted everything we've done to prepare for this week for you guys to get your heart connected with God. That's the desire that we want to have. And you'll see the decorations that are everywhere. We've got a Ferris wheel up here. We've got a popcorn machine. We've got a roller coaster thing that I really wanted to ride in on. Um, but the weight limit was not good. But, uh, but there's just great things that we have for you all week long, and you're not going to want to miss it at all. And so I'm excited about what we have. Our theme for this, this week of VBS is about choices. And so choices are a big deal. We make choices all the time. You've made many, many choices today. You chose whether you're going to get a cookie on the way in or not, right? You chose, how many chose to brush their teeth today? Can we, all right, that's most hands, okay? Um, those that didn't, all right? Uh, but how many chose to floss their teeth today? Oh, ones of you, and um, that's fantastic. See, we make choices, and every choice has a consequence, right? Brushing our teeth, flossing our teeth, they all have consequences that are there. And choices are a big deal. Now, when I was in school uh, a year or two ago, I, uh, there were these tests that involved choices, multiple choice tests. Anybody ever take a multiple choice test? I'm not a fan of those. It's three out of four chances to be wrong is kind of how I looked at those. And that was never the odds in my favor for that. And so let's do away with tests, except for we're going to start VBS off with a test. All right? But here's where it's going to be. It's a multiple choice test, but I need your help in choosing the answers. So here's what I did over the last few weeks. I've asked the staff several different questions. And I got their answers, and we made some videos of them giving you their answers to these questions. So they're multiple choice. So we have these questions that are going to be here. Uh, choices, that's what they are right there. Question number one is towards Pastor Mark Westerfield, all right? So we're going to see how well we can connect with his choice. So his question was this. Pastor Mark, what is the worst smell you have ever smelled? Is it A, the fish market in Haiti? He was on a mission trip there. B, his kids' diapers. D, middle school boy's feet, or D, his high school locker room. All of those with unique smells, right? So who would say, I think it's A, a fish market in Haiti. Give me a hand for that. All right, we got a few. Seaton, yes, I figured you would say that. Um, B, kids' diapers. Who raises their hand? Ashley, are you not going to raise your hand on that one? Okay, just checking. Uh, middle school boy's feet. Who thinks it's that? Parents of middle schoolers. Okay, I see that. His high school locker room. Who thinks it was that? 
Ooh, lots of hands on there. All right, let's see what the answer is right here. The worst smell I have ever smelt is a middle school boy's feet. Ah! Who got it right? Raise your hand, you got it right. Okay, no lying. No lying. Question number two. This one's going to be to Miss Ashley. Miss Ashley, are you in here, Miss Ashley? Where are, there she is right there. All right, we'll see how she, we do with, the, with her question. What is the strangest thing you've ever eaten, Miss Ashley? That's what we asked her. A, turkey bacon, because it's not real bacon. B, octopus, which takes at least eight bites. C, snake burger, or D, whale. There's your choices right there. All right, kids, you've got to make a choice. Who votes A, turkey bacon? Okay, real Americans pick that. B, octopus, who picks that one? Ooh, several hands go up there. C, snake burger. Mmm, see how you want to try that. D, whale. Got a handful of those. All right, Mr. Ashley, let's see your answer right here. It is. The strangest thing that I've ever eaten is octopus. Octopus. There you go. Fantastic. All right, question number three. This one's to Jared Mitzelfelt. Right here, ladies and gentlemen, Jared Mitzelfelt sitting right there. Here's his question. If you could change your name, what would you change it to? Would it be A, Jared Mitzelcraft? Would it be B, Jared Mitzel Beast, C, Jared Mitzel King, or D, Jared Knuckleball? There's your choices. Let's make a wise choice. Who says A, Mitzelcraft? All right. Who says B, Mitzel Beast? Who says C, Mitzel King? Oh, oh. And D, Knuckleball. All right, Jared, what'd you give us? If I could change my name to anything, I'd change it to Jared Mitzel Beast. Mitchell Beast. All right. Has anybody gotten all three right? Anybody got all three right? Got a few with all three right? I think his name should be Jared Mitchell Beard. That's kind of what I would have voted for on that. All right, what's next? Chris Chalman, drummer extraordinaire, pastor of excellence. All of these lights and all this cool stuff, he was a big piece of all that. Chris is amazing on that. Here's his question. What is his favorite restaurant? Is it A, Torchies, because queso, B, La Margarita, because you get sick, if you're a baseball player. Um, did I say that out loud? I'm so sorry. C, Chewy's, because of creamy healthy. Or D, all of the above. Ooh, new, new change here. Who says Torchies? A. My favorite restaurant. Quick on the trigger back there. Oh, there we go. No, that's Jared. Um, I think he said uh, La Margarita was B. Who votes that one? Anybody? A few. Uh, Torchies? No, we did that one. Uh, Chewies? We got Chewies? For all of the above. Massive amounts. All right, do we have Chris's answer? Here we go. My favorite restaurant would be all of the above. Yeah, all of the above. There we go, right there. My understanding is there's just a, a cycle that goes on with their families. Like, oh, that one, now that one, now. Now we go back again, now. All right, here we go. Number next. Question five. Samantha Mitzelfeld. Wife of Jared Mitzelbeast. All right, which superhero best fits you, Sam? Is it A, Hulk, when I get hangry? Is it B, Robin, because Jared is my Batman? Uh, is it C, Wonder Woman, obviously? Or D, Captain America, because America. So there's your choices right there. All right, who says A, Hulk? Who says B, Robin, because of Jared? Who says C, Wonder Woman? Seems to be popular. D, Captain America. Because America. That's right. Answer is? The superhero that I think that I'm the most like is the Hulk. You guys were terrible. You guys missed it. 
That's awesome right there. I think we have one more question. Question number six. Here we go. Question number six. Which pastor is the most handsome? We have A, Jim Moorhead, B, Mark Westerfield, C, Jim Rowan, or D, Alan France. So there's your four choices. We're going to go ahead and let you pick on this. Here we go. Who says A, Jim Moorhead? Pam, yeah, Pam better be going crazy. That's right. Okay. Man, okay. B, who says Mark Westerfield? That's my vote. He's my boss. So I'll vote that. C, Jim Rowan. Ah, man. I want to take a picture of nothing and send it to him. D, Alan Franz. We got a handful of that. All right, let's go ahead and see what the answer is. It is? Alan Franz. Alan. I have to go with Alan Franz. Alan Franz. Alan. Most days, Alan Franz. Obviously, Alan. Pastor Alan. I'm in contention for that, but that would be Alan Franz. There we go, right there. Ladies and gentlemen, right there. I, I, I was standing here the whole time. I didn't fix that at all. I don't know how to do that. I don't know. I'm not. But I do would like to say thank you to the staff. I'm honored and I'm humbled that you would think that about me. And uh, I'm very grateful for that. I, I never would have guessed it. But, um, but you know how to choose wisely, obviously. So I don't think I want to know what that was about right there. Now, moving on to other choices as we, as we go. That was a lot of fun to make that video. Um, yeah, I'm not going to confess that I did anything to skew those boards <laughs> anyway. But... Um, I want to pray, and then we're going to jump into some scripture and kind of help us with more choices. There'll be more questions as we go, students, so be ready for that. Kiddos, we're going to ask some things as we go, but let me pray. Heavenly Father, thank you for Jesus and that you chose to send him for us. And God, we now get to choose whether we're going to follow him or not. And I pray that over the next few minutes that we would really engage with that and listen to you speak way more than me. Um, I can only give a cookie. You can give eternal life. And I pray that that that's what we walk away with, um, how to follow you better. I pray in Jesus' name. Amen. So Ephesians chapter 5 is where we're going to be today. It's just a couple of verses, but man, there's some great stuff in there. So it's Ephesians chapter 5, verse 15, page 1033 in my Bible. And here's how it says, I think it'll be on the screen too. It says this, be very careful then how you live, not as unwise, but as wise making the most of every opportunity because the days are evil. Now, there's a lot of good stuff in just those two verses that if we can pull it out, man, we can really chew on that for a while. It can really change the way we make choices. And and I I want to explain that to you a little bit because in this passage, there's one thing that you cannot control and there's two things that you can control. And we're going to look at that today and and how we choose to control that as we go along. The one thing you cannot control is at the very end when it says, because the days are evil, right? Like we don't get to control that. We don't get to control what happens in other countries and other cities. And we don't get to control what happens with the violence and some of the things that happen. We see the evil that goes on. And we don't get to necessarily control that because there was a choice made all those years ago when God created Adam and Eve, put them in a garden, in a perfect place, and said, this is without blemish, and it's my gift to you, and they chose to sin. And at that point, sin entered the world, right? And it became this place that's broken. It became this place that we have to work through all of this this messy stuff that comes. 
And it says the days are evil. So we, we've got to make some choices now because the days are evil. Now, too many times, I think too many of us choose to say, well, the days are evil, so I guess I can't do anything about it, so it's okay for me to mess up. We tend to justify our sin because we compare it to someone else. Well, I'm not as bad as them, so it's okay. The standard is not someone else. The standard isn't what your brother or sister did. The standard isn't what you see on TV. The standard is Jesus. And so this idea of saying, well, it's not that bad. Well, I mean, that's like drinking poison. I only had one sip of poison instead of a whole cup. Either one's going to kill you. And so recognizing that we can't control that specifically in the, in the big way, but we can control what we do about it. So instead of choosing to say, well, we are living in a broken world and sin is sin, so I guess I'll just do what I need to do well and just think of myself, we think, okay, how can my choices now change that? How can I change the circle that, that I live in right there that's there? Now, it says that we need to live not as the unwise but as wise. So here's a question, true or false, all right? So we had some multiple choice. Now we get true or false question. True or false this, if you are smart, you are wise. Okay, I'm hearing mostly false in there, yeah. Some people think that's true. They have a high IQ or they made good on the SAT or they passed all their classes or whatever, and so now they must be a wise person. There's a difference between knowledge and wisdom, right? Knowledge knows a tomato is a fruit. Wisdom doesn't put it in fruit salad. Like, that's, that makes sense. Um, knowledge knows how to take something apart. Wisdom knows how to put it back together again. The, the understanding, the difference in that. So when it says live as wise, not as the unwise, we've, we've got some choices to make in there. So we get to choose the two things we have control on here. We get to decide, are we going to live how we live, live very carefully, and make the most of every opportunity. See, those are things we can control. We can't control the days are evil, but we can control living as wise or unwise. We can control making the most of every opportunity. But how do we do that? Choices. Question for you. Raise your hand if you want to be great. I would hope every hand would go up. I would hope that would be. God created us for life and life abundantly. Life fantastic, life great. He did not create us to be on a dead sprint for mediocrity. The goal is not how can I be just okay today? How can I be better than some but worse than others? How can I? That's not the goal. We want to be great. God created us to be great because we were made in his image and he is great. He has put his Holy Spirit in us if we have a relationship with him. And his Holy Spirit isn't okay with average. Why should we be? We should be going for great. We, every day should be an adventure park. Every day should be a journey and adventure for Christ. That's what should be happening. But we settle for so much less so often. But we want to be great. Can I tell you this? It's a great quote. Greatness is not a matter of great talent. Greatness is a matter of great choices. See, we, we have this argument about LeBron James, Michael Jordan, who's the GOAT, who's the greatest of all time. And, and we want to have all this. It's not about talent. It's not about stats. We've put so much emphasis on that, and we've raised this bar to celebrity status to say, oh, they're great, and I'm not because I can't throw 40 touchdowns. I can't run that fast. I can't sing that well. I can't act like that. I can't do these things. And we have given so much credibility to what we call talent. Greatness is not a matter of great talent. Greatness is a matter of great choices. And when you make great choices, you become great. And when you make poor choices, you're less than great. And we've got to be careful because there's consequences to our choices as we go along and look at this. Now, I want to challenge you on three great choices today. Three great choices that come straight out of this scripture 
that help us understand where this is at. Number one is this. You need to choose a really great purpose in life. You need to choose a great purpose. Like, I don't understand what that means. You will never be great living for yourself. I, I want that to sink in. You will never be great living for yourself. Anyone can live selfish and self-centered. That is not hard. Matter of fact, that's our default as humans. That, there's nothing great about that. There must be something greater than yourself to get out of bed for. There's got to be. What is it that drives you? What is it that, this, that compels you? I mean, Scripture says that Christ's love compels us to action. But is that the first thing on our mind when we wake up? Are we compelled by that? Are we driven to get out of bed? Because if it's ourselves that we're driven to get out of bed for, there's many days we won't get out of bed because we don't feel like it. Our feelings is not what God created to drive us. Yes, he gave us feelings so we can experience everything. But the feelings are not the driving force behind it. There's got to be a greater purpose. What are you investing in? Time, talents, treasures, relationships. What are you investing in? What, what is it that you're saying, I want to get a return from that? That's worth giving up sacrificially my time or my money or, 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 or my talent or all the things that I am. That's worth giving that up because the return on that investment is going to make me better. And you better be careful how you define better. I would change that to more like Jesus. Just a thought. But what are you investing in for that? Matthew twenty four fourteen says this, And this gospel of the kingdom will be preached in the whole world as a testimony to all nations, and then the end will come. The only thing that will last is God's kingdom, not yours, not mine. We've got to be very careful how we live. We put so much value in temporary things when we were created for eternity. We, we, we value all of this temporary stuff, and I am so guilty of it. Man, this is not me saying, boy, you've got to get your stuff together. This is me saying, Alan, you better get your stuff together, and since you're walking through it and you're preaching, you let everybody else walk through it too. Because that's the reality of what I live in. I am a selfish man, and my default is to go back to what makes me happy, not God happy. But if I'm investing in me, I'm going to get a poor return on that investment. But when I invest in the kingdom of God, I get an eternal reward. And that's worth having right there. Paul himself in Scripture said, for me to live is Christ. And then he made it even that much stronger. He said, and to die is gain. Whew. Like, that's strong. He said, for me to live is Christ. Now, at the time that he said that, it was not a popular view. And there were people that came against him for saying that. For me to live is Christ. Well, we don't like that. Well, I'm still going to live for Christ. Well, then we're going to beat you up. We're going to hit you. We're going to punish you. We're going to do things like, okay, I'll get a greater reward. They go, okay, then we'll kill you. And he goes, to die is gain. I'll just be in his presence. Like he had an eternal lens. He had a filter that said, everything that happens to me, I'll give glory to God. Even if it hurts me physically, emotionally, it doesn't matter for me to live as Christ, not your approval. Wow, that's strong. Now, I don't know about how you, here's another test question, fill in the blank this time. How would you fill in the blank when it says, for me to live is blank? See, Paul said Christ, and it's easy to quote that scripture, but it's much tougher to live it out. For me to live is what? I, I, I remember many times as a kid, when I was in elementary school, junior high, high school, I would fill that blank in easy with, for me to live is me and sports. Those were my gods. Those were the things that I wanted to be happy about. And I put all my investment in that. 
For me to live is me and sports. And so if I, if I played great, it was great. If we lost the game, I'm mad. If I played bad and we won the game, I'm still mad because it was about me. And it was about sports. And that's what I put on that blank right there. For me to live is that. And I lived this, this roller coaster up and down all the time of disappointment. And then I would feel good for a while until the next disappointment came. And because I'm not perfect, there was many disappointments. When you think about baseball, the best players fail 70% of the time. Like, how hard is that? So I don't know what the answer is for you when you fill in that blank. For me to live is blank. Or maybe for my family to live is blank. Like if we asked your kids that question about your family, what would they say is most important? Because they observe you all the time. And that's a scary question to ask our kids. Because they might answer Netflix. They might answer their phone. They might answer going out to eat. I don't don't know what they'll answer. But I challenge us to ask it. So you got to answer it after lunch, Molly. Okay? I'm scared now. Okay, she just had a really good time at camp last week, so I'm hoping she's in a good mood. But good things become idols when we place them above God. Don't forget that. Choose a great purpose to live for. Number two is this. So one, you're choosing a great purpose. Two, you're choosing great people to be on your team. Who's your team? Who's your tribe? Who is it that's in your circle of influence? Who is that? that influences you and you have influence on them, that you lock arms with, you rub elbows with. As Scripture says, as iron sharpens iron, so one man sharpens another. Who are those people in your life? Who's on your team? I get asked the question many times when I'm not here, when I'm at different places, and I hear, oh, you're at Central, da, 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 how long you've been there? I've been there a long time. Why would you stay there so long? The average stay of a youth pastor is about 18 months at a church. Why would you stay there so long? And my answer every time is simply one word, three letters, you. You're the reason. I think the greatest people in the world go to Central Baptist Church in Round Rock, Texas. And I love doing life with you. You're my tribe. You're my people. I've gotten to walk through a lot of life with you, and you've walked through a lot of my life with me. Whether it was my dad dying or getting married or having my kids or all the things that have happened in my life happened here. And I've gotten to walk through that with you. And I'm so grateful for the support and the love. I think I have the greatest team in the world that works in student ministry. I believe that. Um... The key to success is to surround yourself with people that are better at it than you are. And we have the greatest people loving our students. And I could not be more proud to work with them. And it's fantastic. So who's on your team? Who is it that's speaking into your life? Who is it that you've allowed the, the, the opportunity, the privilege, the honor, the responsibility to speak into your life? And maybe even call you out when it doesn't feel good. Maybe ask you the hard questions to say, hey, this looks like this. Can we talk about it? Because that's what a great team does. It doesn't pretend everything's okay all the time. It picks each other up. Sometimes it slaps them on the rear. Sometimes it kicks them in the rear. But we're willing to have those people around us. That's what a great team does. And you've got to choose a great team around you and do that. I'll give you an example of something that that is so true, and it really hit me in the face with this. Our ninth and 10th grade guys class last year did a... A Sunday morning Bible study, and, and it, was, it was an incredible idea. And so you got Jeff in there and Corey in there and Thomas in there and Matt in there. So you got these four, and all of them are dads, okay, empty nester, little kids, one in youth group. And we've got kind of a range of dads in our, in our group there. And so what they did is they got the guys, and they said, all right, pick one of the dads, and you're going to come up here, and you're going to sit across from them, and you're going to ask permission to go out with their daughter. Yeah, it was fantastic. And, uh, and so the guys were like, ah, you know, talking to the dads and this kind of stuff. And, and it was a great exercise. Jeff and I were talking about it later on, and, and conversation kind of led to not every girl has their dad in their life. 
What about the girls who are being raised by a single mom? I said, let's get a single mom in there and see what happens. <laughs> so the next Sunday, thinking it's a whole new lesson, the boys come in and uh, there's a lady in there. They're like, this is a guy's class. Like, you know, you know, they're checking to make sure they put on deodorant and stuff. So they're sitting there and they get one of the guys and says, not every girl is going to have her dad around, maybe a single mom. Why don't you sit with this mom and have that conversation with her? Okay. You know, and I don't even know who it was. I don't remember who got up there. But one of the guys got up there, and Susan was there. Her, her daughter's in college now. But Susan's sitting there, and the young man's like, Ah, I think your daughter's fantastic, and she's really nice. She's pretty. Um, not that I look at her that way, but, uh, <laughs> but I, I, I would like to, to go out with your daughter. Susan's first thing back to them after they said their little introduction was this. Tell me who your friends are. Because you can't lie about that. You can't tell them how great you are and lie in this moment because they can get online and check it. And she said this, because if I know who your friends are, I know what kind of guy you are. Moms are smart. I mean, dang it. God gave you moms something that he didn't give dads. It's whatever, the eyes in the back of the head, that, that gut feeling, that ability to reach your arm seven chairs down and pinch the back of an arm. That you, you know, I mean, it's just amazing what God gives moms. And godly moms that are walking with Jesus, it's a whole nother level of discernment. It's a whole nother level of gut check. It's a whole nother level of ask a question out of nowhere because no one would have thought of that question but mom. But it just punches you right in the face. You're like, how did that happen to me? That's what moms do. Moms do that. Keep doing that. that. Moms get a tribe together and do that. It's, it's a fantastic thing. But what hit me in the face was this, was her very first thing was, let me know who your tribe is. Because tribes have influence on you. Your team has influence on you. And I want to know who's influencing you if you're going to be a part of my daughter's life. Wow. Isn't that good? I mean, the choices that we make, those that we hang out with, and the choices we make when we're hanging out with them. It matters. Choose wisely who's on your team. Choose great people to be on your team. First Thessalonians 2.8 says this, and this is our, our verse of our student ministry. It says, because we loved you so much, we were delighted to share with you not only the gospel of God, but our lives as well. It's doing life together. It's being a part of the team. It's having generations as a part of your team. Kids, who do you hang out with? What influence do they have on you? If you're old enough to have a phone, who do you let text you? At what time of day and night are you involved in that? Are you making choices after midnight? They're probably not going to end well. Like You've got to think wisely about who's on your team. You've got to think wisely about the consequences of those choices of who you allow on your team. Because you're going to be guilty by association sometimes. And you may be completely innocent. But who you hang out with isn't. And you're going to be guilty by association. I'm not saying that to scare you. I'm saying it because that's the reality. And you've got to choose great people on your team. Same thing with parents. Like this, doesn't, this doesn't go away when you graduate high school. Matter of fact, it probably gets even more important because now all those choices are going to affect your kids and affect your spouse and affect who's on your team. Like who are you allowing to do that? Choose wisely who you are around and who can speak into your life. Number three is this. Choose to take advantage of great opportunities. Choose to take advantage of great opportunities. What do you mean? Let me give you some examples of bad choices in this kind of deal. Let me show you this picture. See if you know who that guy is. Anybody? Okay, we got one person that knows us. Okay, yeah, you can repeat each other. That's fine, too. Copycat. So that's that. Now let's see if we know who the second person is. 
Well, yeah, it's a little bit louder that time. We all know who Michael Jordan is, right? Portland Trailblazers back in uh, 1984 had the number two pick in the NBA draft. Michael Jordan got picked third. Sam Bowie got picked second. They picked Sam Bowie instead of that. But you learn from your mistakes, right? I mean, that's what we're supposed to do is learn from our mistakes. We move forward. We make better decisions. We don't repeat the same mistakes again. Fast forward to 2007. Portland Trailblazers have the first pick in the draft. Okay, you sports fans. How many of you did not know that was Greg Oden? Like, be honest. Like, hopefully most of you, because making my point. But that was the number one pick. Number two pick was this. Ah, Kevin Durant, right? He was just finals MVP this last weekend when they won the NBA championship. So they repeated their mistake again. I get it. Hindsight's 20-20 and da-da-da. You don't know this kind of stuff. I think Kevin Durant scored more points in one game than Greg Oden has his whole career. Like, it's just the choices that are there. Portland Trailblazers made a choice, right? Now, does anybody know what this movie is? Or have seen this movie, I guess, would be a better way. Seen that movie? Have we seen that movie? Okay, many of you have seen the movie E.T. Does anybody remember what food E.T. ate? Reaches pieces, right? But let me tell you this. Steven Spielberg called M&M's and said, you want that spot? And Eminem's like, no, nah, we don't need it. So then he called Mars Company, it owns, owns Reese's Pieces, and they got it, and their sales tripled the next year <laughs> because of one choice. Eminem said, no, nah, we, we don't need some weird alien. We don't, oh, okay, you don't need to triple your sales. But it's interesting how Reese's Pieces won that thing. There's, there's choices that we make, and we have to choose to take advantage of great opportunities. Make the most of every opportunity because the days are evil. And that's what it tells us in Ephesians 5. We just read that. We've got to make the most of every opportunity. Trailblazers, not so much, right? M&Ms, not so much. Uh, not that they are non-existent anymore, but it's just that moment. Let me give you an, a, a biblical one in here in this, because this is a guy in Scripture that we all know. All right, kids, tell me something you know about Zacchaeus. What? Tell me about it. Say it out loud. Short. He's a wee little man. He did what? Climbed in a tree, right? Those are the most popular things he did. He's a wee little man, and he climbed in a tree. That's what he did. We know it. We know the song. We know I'm not going to sing it for you, but we know that. Here's the thing about Zacchaeus, though. He had to make a choice. He had a great opportunity in front of him, and he had to choose. He said, I want to see Jesus. He had to run ahead. He had to climb a tree. He had to go out on a branch because he was a little guy to see Jesus. Now, he was not... Not a very popular guy at the time as a tax collector. Not well thought of. As a tax collector, he was a very wealthy man, so people did things for him. They didn't run. He chose to run ahead. He chose to climb a tree. And he chose to see Jesus. See, there was a great opportunity that presented. Jesus was coming by. Am I going to position myself to see Jesus? He said yes. Jesus is coming by this week at VBS. Are you going to position yourself to see him? Jesus is a part of everything in your life. His presence is everywhere, right? He's omnipresent. Are we looking for him? Are we running ahead, distancing ourselves from the crowd, positioning ourselves where we have to maybe climb a tree or sacrifice something or give something up so that we can see Jesus? See the choices? You can't miss the great opportunities that are there. And too often we value it. Let me, let me, let me say this too as a disclaimer though. It's a warning. To take advantage of great opportunities, you must say no to good opportunities. Right? I don't know if y'all agree with that or not because y'all got really quiet. But we make busyness a badge of honor. We brag about it on our social media. So busy, I'm doing all this, I'm doing all this, I'm doing... I don't see that in the, in the Bible as the fruit of the Spirit. Love, joy, peace, patience, kindness, busyness, self-control. I, I don't see that in there. 
But we've made it a fruit of the Spirit. We've made it something that we value in our culture. Oh, if you're busy, then you must really love God. You're really important if you're busy. That's not what it is. It's not a fruit of the Spirit. It's not a badge of honor. So before you tell me the new opportunity that you're going to pursue, tell me the thing you're going to cut out. What are you going to give up to take advantage of the great opportunity? What good thing needs to go to the side so a great thing can come into play? See, that's a hard challenge to get right there. You know, if you burn the candle at both ends, you're not as bright as you think you are. See, we think it's glowing. We think it's making a big difference. I'll burn the candle at both ends and then we burn out and we move on to the next person because you're disposable. You're not. You're valuable. Choose carefully the opportunities that are presented in front of you. So what are some opportunities? Let me tell you some. Number one is this. I'll give you two and then we'll wrap up. Two opportunities. One, go to VBS, serve at VBS. That's happening from six to eight every night for the next five days. Well, I'm busy. I already got this. I already got that. I got soccer. I got this. We have all these things that are there. Are you missing a great opportunity? You've got to decide that. I can't tell you. It's about values and priorities and importance and, and the, whatever message you want to send to your kids. And I mean, I, I get that. You've got to decide that. And we all face that with different opportunities and things that come along. But you have a great opportunity to make impact on eternity by being a part of VBS. Sending your kids or serving. Like, well, I, I can only be there a couple nights. We'll take you a couple nights. I can only be there one night. Come on. I promise you. Sam and Ashley and, and, and Mandy and their team will take you. Specifically right now, there is a, a very big opportunity for people to come alongside and be buddies with our special needs kids. They need one-on-one buddy for the night. Well, I can only come on Tuesday. Well, come be a buddy Tuesday. Is it, is it an important enough opportunity? Is, is it a chance? Uh, yeah, absolutely it is. It's a great opportunity. If you want to do that, come see me or Ashley or Sam. We'll get you connected in that way. Well, I don't, I don't know that I can. I don't have the patience to do that. All right, well, we need floaters. We need people to just show up and say, I'll go wherever you need me to go tonight. I'm just your utility guy. I'm your utility girl. I need to jump in preschool, I'm there. I need to jump on rec team, I'm there. I need to go serve, I'll do that. Just come. It's a great opportunity. So that's number one. Great opportunity. Go to VBS, serve VBS. Number two is this. Um, encourage someone. Well, that seems kind of silly, Alan. That seems kind of simple. Let me tell you, I, I have found a 100% guaranteed, never-fail way of finding out someone that needs encouragement. Because sometimes it's obvious. You lose a game, you're bummed out, or you make a mistake, you're bummed out, or, you know, I mean, you have things that, that, that bad things that happen, you're like, okay, we need to encourage them. But I, I, sometimes it's hard to tell. So you're like, how can I tell if someone needs encouragement? What is a way? This is a guaranteed way you will never, ever be wrong. So I want you to look around at the people near you that you're sitting by and see if they qualify. See if there's someone that needs encouragement, all right? So I'm going to give you the secret right now, and you look around and see if they need encouragement, all right? Here's the secret, guaranteed that they will absolutely need encouragement. It's this, if they're breathing. seems simple, doesn't it? But we all need it. Sometimes we like to put on a front that everything's okay, but we're hurting inside. We can't be afraid to ask for encouragement either. If we would be givers of encouragement, how terrible would it be if you were the one in your circle of friends or your family known as the one who encourages the most? What a terrible mantle to carry. People need encouragement. We live in a world that puts people down all the time. Our news feed is all about negativity. That's what the news cycle is. How can we say something negative about politics or about sports or about what? It's always the negative that we. How about the positive? 
Can't we lean into that sometimes? Can't we be the encouragers? Do our kids know that we encourage them more than we get on to them? Because if every time we raise our voice with our kids, we're getting on to them, the encouragement doesn't matter. We've got to speak life to people. We've got to encourage them. Find the good. Accentuate it. Bring it out. Bless them. I know of a family that every Saturday night, the dad gives awards to his kids because of what he saw during the week. Man, you're, you're the Good Samaritan Award. You have the Beautiful Feet Award because you carried the gospel. It's just a cool thing that this dad does. I think it's neat. I mean, I, and it's simple. Makes it up on the fly. If you can't think of something, take a bite of food. It gives you a minute to think of another award for your kid. I mean, take your time. Do what you need to do. I'll tell you another story of a dad. His son was a cross-country runner. Cross-country is a little over three-mile run. And his son was having biggest event of the year. He was so nervous and scared. He wanted to do so good, but he was just scared to death about it and didn't know what to do. And he was going to have to run in this meet. I don't, I don't know if it was district or regional or state. I, I don't know, but it was a cross-country meet that his son was running in. And his son was just freaking out about this. And his dad decided to come up with a plan. So what he did is he called his tribe. He called his buddies. He called his great team. And he got eight of his friends. And he said, guys, here's what I want you to do. The meet is on Saturday. I'm going to ask each of you to stand at one quarter of a mile during the race. And we're going to position you, start line, quarter mile, half mile, three quarters of a mile, mile. We're going to do that throughout the whole race. I'll be at the finish line. And when my son comes, I want you to go crazy. I want you to yell and scream and cheer him on and call him by name. Let him hear you clap. Let him hear you get crazy for him. And then he'll catch another one in another quarter mile, another one to cut him. His son ran the fastest time he'd ever run in his life because of encouragement. He didn't prepare anymore. He didn't eat any different, didn't sleep any better, didn't take any drugs. He got encouraged. Encouragement will take people to a level they don't think they can go to because we all need someone to believe in us. Can I tell you how much God believed in you? He said, let me tell you how much I'm going to encourage you. I'm going to send my son to pay the price for your sin. I recognize you're going to fail. I recognize you're going to fall short. I recognize you're not going to make it all the time. And you get scared about things in life and their big events. Let me send my son to encourage you, not every quarter mile, every second of your life. And I'm going to demonstrate this love for you in this, that he's going to come down. He's going to die a brutal death on a cross to pay the price, not for your sin, but to take your place. Because we're not separate from our sin. We are sinners. And he takes our place. And then three days later, he rose from the dead. You talk about a cheering section. He got up from the dead to cheer for you. He's sitting at the right hand of God going, let's go, let's go, let's go. And he's cheering you on. And so often we run the other way and we run away from his cheers. Instead of Zacchaeus, we run up a tree and get closer and get in a position where we can see him. And take advantage of the great opportunities that he has. He's given us this incredible love story that's right here. And he's written this thing for us, but it's just a chore to read. There's no pictures at the end. Like that's, this is a love letter. It's a book of encouragement. Does it challenge your heart? Yes. Does it call you out? Yes. Because he loves you. He loves you so much he doesn't want you to stay the way you are. He wants you to learn from it and get better so you don't repeat it. But you become more like him and we get in there. That's the encouragement he has for us. So can we encourage people? I promise you this, Ashley and Sam and Mandy and our staff, we're your biggest cheerleaders this week. We're going to be cheering you on. Come on, be a part of this week. We're so glad you're here. Our kids should be excited about being here. If we're serving in preschool, kids, students, adults, are we excited? Like when they come into your room, whether it's adult room or preschool room, are we excited? I mean, are those kids going, ah, it's so good to see them. That's what it needs to be. 
We've got to have that enthusiasm. We're the body of Christ. We have eternity. We were created for eternity, not this planet. This is just a pass-through. We've got to get excited about eternity. We've got to tell people. We've got to encourage them about that. That's the important thing. And I want you to do that. We can't hold it back. If people are breathing, they need encouragement. Let's go encourage them. I love this VBS amusement park thing. I think it's fantastic because how do you know you're at an amusement park, right? It's, it's, it's the sights. It's the sounds. It's the smells. It's all of that stuff. And my favorite is the sound. You can hear it before you even get to it sometimes. Where it's the roller coaster going down. But the thing that always stands out is, is the yells and the screams of kids getting to meet a Disney princess or ride a roller coaster for the first time or do whatever it is in that moment that's a whole thing. And it's amazing how we will run and go over and over again to a roller coaster. We can't get enough of it. Oh, oh I let my stomach drop. That oh, was fantastic. Let's do it again. I almost threw up. Let's go again. Like we do this with these roller coasters. But then we complain about our life being a roller coaster. Get off. Make different choices. Your choices matter. Your choices matter. It matters when you choose great purpose to live for. It matters the great people you choose to be on your team. It matters to take advantage of great opportunities and to choose those. Choices matter. Choose wisely. I'm going to pray, and I'm just going to let you make a choice at that point. And so a band can come up, and that will be great. Please don't check out. Please don't think, I've got to get out of here now. Focus on what God is saying to you. I, I can offer you a cookie, and it's not going to last. God offers you eternity, and that's what it lasts for. And so here's, here's my heart on this. You now have to make a choice. How am I going to respond to what God just said? There's one thing I can't control. The days are evil. There's two things I can. I'm going to choose to live wisely or unwisely. And I'm going to choose to make the most of opportunities or I'm going to miss them. What are you going to do? Maybe you need to choose to confess and repent some things at this altar. Maybe you need to choose to come to someone and say, I just need some encouragement and let them pray over you. I, I don't know what you need, but you need to make a choice. And not choosing is still a choice. And this week is going to be incredible. It is going to change our church. It's going to change our community. It's going to change the world. I invite you to be a part of this great opportunity.